Yeah, Lord Jesus, we thank you so much for your spirit. And especially today as we remember Pentecost, the day when your spirit came and, yeah, set the church on its whole new trajectory. And Father, we pray tonight that your Holy Spirit would be so near to us, filling us, surrounding us, inspiring us to charge hard after you, after what you're calling us into. In the name of Jesus, amen. Awesome. Thanks, team. That was amazing, wonderful. Um, Really, really appreciated that. Cool. Hey, guys. It's been a while. I've been on on a holiday for like three weeks, and it was amazing. Um, and have the wonderful privilege of coming back to speak about the church and the Holy Spirit. So there's apparently been a a series going on about the church, um, and today being Pentecost, we're celebrating and remembering the Holy Spirit, the time when it first came to the church. And this last week, I was like, yo, hit the ground running, so busy. God, why must I preach? Like, there's so much things going on. And then I started prepping for it, and I was like, yeah, that's, that's why. <laughs> um, so I'm super excited for tonight. I think God has some incredible things for us to be reminded of, to be excited about, and to look forward to. So I'm going to pray, and we're going to dive into Acts chapter 2, because, you know, we have to. Lord, thank you so much just for the, the wonderful uh, time that we get to remember you, to remember what you've done, what your Spirit's done in this world. And we ask that as we read your word now, you would uh, bring things to light in a way that we haven't even seen before. In the name of Jesus, amen. So Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit comes at Pentecost. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be like tongues of fire separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now they were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard the sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment, because each heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, Aren't all these people speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in our own native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Cappadocia, uh, Pontus in Asia, uh, Phrygia, uh, Pamphylia, Egypt, and other parts of Libya uh, near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs. We hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they asked each other, what does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and said they've had way too much wine. But then Peter stood up with the eleven. He raised his voice and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I have to say. These people are not drunk as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. Verse 17. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit. And in those days, they will prophesy. I will show the wonders in heaven above and signs on earth below. Blood and fire and billows of, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood 
before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Fellow Israelites, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did among you through him, as you yourselves know. This man was handed over to you by God's deliberate plan and foreknowledge, and you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death because it's impossible for death to keep its hold on him. David said about him, I saw the Lord before me because he is at my right hand. I will not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. My body also will rest in hope because you will not abandon me to the realm of the dead. You will not let your Holy One see decay. You have made known to me the paths of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence. Fellow Israelites, I can tell you confidently that the patriarch David died and was buried, and his tomb is here to this day. But he was a prophet and knew that God had promised him an oath that he would place one of his descendants on his throne. Seeing what was to come, he spoke of the resurrection of the Messiah, that he was not abandoned to the realm of the dead, nor did his body see decay. God has raised this Jesus to life, and we are witnesses of it. Exalted to the right hand of God, he was received from the Father and promised the Holy Spirit, and has poured out on you what you now see and hear. For David did not ascend to heaven, and yet he said, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off and for all whom the Lord of, of God will call. With many other wo- words he warmed them and he pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted his message were baptized and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All believers were together and held everything in common. They sold their property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who had been being saved. Sure. What an incredible story. What a, like intense scene. Here you are, people having a prayer meeting at nine o'clock in the morning and suddenly the Holy Spirit comes and pandemonium breaks out. Sometimes the Holy Spirit makes things a bit weird. Um, but there's nothing better than being in that kind of like weird, uncertain place. When you look around the room, you see, you have like no idea. Why are some people laughing? Why are some people crying? Some people just praying in funny languages. But you know, there's this peace that each person in the room is meeting with the Holy Spirit and things are being moved, shifted, shaken within them. They're being stirred. They're being recalibrated from the inside out. I remember 2016 or 17 or 18, one of those ones, 
I was asked to come to be an MC at the gathering uh, for the first time. And on the phone call, I was chatting to Andre, and he says, you know, this is really the job description. You need to be alert for what God's going to be doing in the sessions. And something inside of me just knew exactly what he meant by this. You see, God will sometimes do some really cool stuff, some really crazy stuff. We have to be prepared. You know, there's nothing that we can do from a planning side of things um, to make God come. Like, we can't sing the right songs or have the right thing. There's just a thirst and a desire for God to come and move in us uh, that often happens when people are hungry and, and thirsty. And so I knew, you know, on camps, people are amped and excited for this. And so I came, and, and one evening, we got to praying for people after one of the sessions. And as we were praying, uh, God was doing some incredible things. The Holy Spirit was moving so powerfully that we were almost like relegated to the sidelines when it's like the best, uh, most wonderful way. And I remember like looking up as you we were praying and I could see there was about eight or nine of us in the front. And they were praying hard. People were going through some like deep stuff. And I look up and the whole aisle is just full of people. I was like, this is, this is not enough. Like, how are we going to get to everyone? What's going to happen? And, and yet God was moving and doing some incredibly incredible things. People were being healed. Deep emotional pain was coming undone. Chains were falling off of people. And I just remember just being in awe of what God was doing. And he, and, and he just called for the simple thing. And I literally go to someone, and as soon as I laid my hand on them, like they would just suddenly just be overcome by the Holy Spirit. And all I had to do is kind of go, cool, bless you, and move on. Because sometimes Holy Spirit is just moving so powerfully that we, we don't need to have fancy other things. Just let people encounter Jesus and his Holy Spirit and enjoy him. And, and sometimes you know that's exactly where the person needs to be. Sure. Interestingly, in this time, the disciples moved from a very theoretical, they'd been trained by Jesus for three years and had seen and, and all these, these things. They knew a lot. They knew what their mission was, yet they were told to wait. And when the Holy Spirit came, suddenly all of the stuff that they had all of this knowledge and uh, information that they knew about Jesus moved from being a theoretical experience to a practical, lived out, and amplified experience. We cannot expect the teachings that we sit under to become anything more than theoretical unless the Holy Spirit moves in our lives. You see, before Pentecost, the disciples were told to wait. They had been trained by Jesus. They knew the stuff. But that wasn't good enough. There was something more that was needed. They were still not ready. And as Pentecost came, things were set in motion that as soon as that was done, there was no putting it back in the box. There was no kind of going, cool, actually before this, like we'll just go back to those good old days because suddenly there's 3,000 extra people chilling there. Um, there's no going back to the 100 people you had before. Um, and it was, it was wild. As someone who spent, you know, the last four years of his life studying theology and the Bible and um, all of those things, I can pretty much say with 100% confidence that that stuff is not enough. But God is enough, more than enough. When he fills us and moves us, he can do anything through us. And that's what was happening for these disciples. There was a movement from this head knowledge, this theoretical thing to a practical lived out space. And sometimes when we're finding ourselves in a space where, man, I know a lot of stuff, 
We need to be digging in the Holy Spirit so it can be lived out in our lives. Of course, that stuff is super important, and that's why Jesus did spend a whole lot of time with his disciples, training them and teaching them good things. But it's not enough on its own. Paul, who was facing some of the cruelest treatment and persecution, says in Philippians 4 verse 12, I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all things through him who gives me strength. What faith, but also what incredible joy. It doesn't matter what the world can throw at us because God has overcome it all through Jesus Christ on the cross. And because of that, we can have direct access to God. So we see that we, through the Holy Spirit, us in the church, there's a significant impact on us as we move to being people who can talk about things to people who can live out that, which is God calling us to. And there's no shortcuts here. The second thing for tonight is that when the Holy Spirit impacts the church, he builds a beautiful community. We read about how the followers of Christ devote everything to God and to each other. They were part of each other's lives, daily seeing each other, sacrificing a whole lot for each other, sharing everything that they had. Not only were they building each other up, but they were also praying and teaching and encouraging each other. This community was truly inspiring. This is not something that is too foreign for us, I think, because I was chatting to a long-time life friend of mine, and he was saying how, you know, Sunday nights was a night that he never wanted to miss because he knew. It didn't matter if he had like a final exam the next day or if life was super stressful or whatever was going on, he wanted to be there. He had FOMO if he missed out. And... Uh, and there is something about that when we see the Holy Spirit inspiring community. It's so wonderful that you never want to miss out on it. When life is hard, you go because you know there's people who are there who can share that burden with you, who will encourage you, strengthen you, call you back to Christ, pray with you, help you to reconnect with the Lord, help you to reconnect with a source of love and peace that's far beyond our comprehension. And when times are going good, to have people around you who can celebrate genuinely, not for any selfish ambition or any selfish reason, not to tear you down in some other way later, but people who will come to the Lord with you with gratitude. When the church is filled with the Holy Spirit, it is able to go the distance. I know from my own faith, I'd be in a very different space if it weren't for the people who, uh, when my questions were just heresy and blasphemy, had patience to sit through them. When things were really tough and I felt like, man, I can't go on to, to pray with me, to stand by me. But also for the people who've laid hands on me and prayed to bless my ministry, my calling, even my marriage. There's so many things that in this community, in the good and the bad, that pull you through, that sustain you. And this is what the Holy Spirit does when the church is filled with people, filled with the Holy Spirit. It creates a community that is deeper. And so we see we move from a space of being theoretical to lived out and practical. We see that we become a community that is deeper and more beautiful. But we see because of the Holy Spirit, the church moves beyond their capacity. 
You know, 3,000 people were saved. I always think about this, and logistically, this is a nightmare for any pastor. We would never get enough life group leaders for these people. I mean, what is going on? How would they be able to be discipled? In a few weeks, they have to go back to all of those places that I couldn't pronounce. Like, what? But that's the joy of it. They have the most wonderful teacher. John 14, verse 26, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I've said to you. And John 16, verse 13, but when he, the Spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak on his own initiative, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will disclose to you what is to come. Now, I'm sure while they were all together, these folk try to learn as much as they can from the disciples and uh, pretty much were like sponges to get as much as they can. But ultimately, God was the follow-up plan. But what was crazy was that when we see the church full of the Holy Spirit, the focus moves outward. Every day, God was adding to their number. This new group of people who were full of the Holy Spirit had a massive real-life impact on the world around them. They did not keep it to themselves. And I think one of the things that we need to realize as a church is that when the Holy Spirit is impacting us, it has ramifications for the whole city around us. For us who know what's happening, that's cool. Cool, this is great. Uh, but for, imagine, put yourselves in the shoes of those who don't know what's going on. And suddenly you see your neighbor or your friend or someone in the shops and you encounter the almighty God through this person. And I have no clue what's going on. Like, what is cutting? Why am I feeling so conflicted? Whereas we know what's happening. They're encountering the Holy Spirit who is moving inside of them, stirring them, but they have no idea. If I'm aware that the Holy Spirit is moving beyond me, then I might have eyes to see it and can help engage and go like, hey, let's chat. But I think often we don't realize the effect of overflow that happens through us when God is filling us and impacting us around us. I remember, sure, I was in grade 10, so quite a while ago, and I was sitting pretty much where Bevan is sitting now, believe it or not, and we were worshiping the Lord. And that night, Holy Spirit was with us. And everyone was just going for it, like arms raised. In between songs, we were praying as loud as we can. There were words of knowledge. People were praying in tongues. It was wild. And there was this young man sitting next to me who had never been to church before. And he was like, bro, what is going on? And I responded in probably like the most typical teenager way that I can. And I said to him, bro, it's the Holy Spirit. Can't you feel him? Like, what's wrong with you? And <laughs> this man had never like even heard about the Holy Spirit before. So it was a bit of a weird one for him. And that was probably one of the most faithful sentences I've ever had in, in my life. Didn't even realize it at the time. But later that night, he whispers in my ear, Josh, I feel him. And he gave his life to the Lord sometime after that began a journey with Christ. You see, when we, we're filled with the Spirit and worshiping Him, when He overflows into us, people know. They can feel it. Someone who had never even heard of the Holy Spirit in a room of people just going for it goes, Josh, I can feel Him. Jesus so longs and desires to reach the lost. His heart yearns for it. And we are the tool that he's chosen to impact these people. We just need to be aware of the moments 
where he's spilling out from us into the people around us. And so I want to finish on a bit of a practical note. Um, and, and I want to remind us that the Holy Spirit, it moves us from a theoretical knowledge of God to a practical lived out experience of him. It binds us together into a community that can outlast any struggle that God has um, yeah, strengthened us through. But it also, we're filled with the Holy Spirit for the world, for the mission and heart that he has for us. And so I want you guys to, to think of a moment now. I've, I've shared a bunch of different memories of personally when I've experienced the Holy Spirit in very different capacities. But I want to think, you to think of a moment when you experienced the Holy Spirit. I want you to thank God for that moment right now. I want you to honor it, to treasure it, and to say, Lord, thank you so much that I was able to encounter you. There's something about honoring the work of the Holy Spirit that opens us up and allows us to ready ourselves for more. And I want you to ask God to come and do what only he can do tonight. Holy Spirit, come. We welcome you. We invite you. We know that only you can transform us. Father, I pray that tonight, as we just come and worshiping you, that your Holy Spirit would move in us. And I bless you, evening congregation, to be people who live out what you know, to be people who love each other sacrificially, praying for each other in the good times and blessing each other in the, in, in the bad. And I bless you to be people who overflow, people who move into every different situation and lives are changed because you were there, because of who you were carrying in you. In the name of Jesus, amen.